What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 109 of The Awakened Soul Podcast. We are joined this week by Christian Brianna from Best Friends Talking Shit and Them Chakras. Um, and we get into a great discussion about what it it really means to be a part of the culture and what, uh, what, we, what do we mean when we say the culture. We also talk about how allies um, can also help support the culture but not imitate the culture and we also talk about the little mermaid controversy um and we get into the discussion about how some of the attributes of black women uh, are kind of watered down to attitude and and other things but how sometimes black men appreciate those same attributes that they attack black women for in other races so that's a, a very interesting conversation and forgive me <laughs> for any first time listeners, I'm your host, CEO Hayes. I'm the host of the Awaken Soul Podcast. You can follow me at CEO Hayes. You can follow the podcast at Awaken Soul Pod. On every social media platform, we are part of the Breaks Media. So make sure you go to the breaksmedianetwork.com where you can find this podcast as well as several other lovely black and beautiful podcasts. But enough of that. Let's go ahead. Let's get um let's let AJ take it away. We're gonna get into the mind of Hayes right after this. AJ. Give it to him. The following is a Breaks Media podcast. You are now listening to the best podcast in the world, The Awakened Soul, hosted by my daddy. All right, so we are in the dark and twisted, crazy-ass place that is the mind of CEO Hayes. And on this week's In the Mind of Hayes segment, so really what I want to talk about, we all have seen probably over the course of the weekend all of the videos and the um, and the pictures and the posts and everything coming out of the Essence Fest uh, this year. And what I will say that, and, you know, women, it seems like they – all go to the Essence Fest together, and it's these building um, of sisterhood moments, and it's great to see. The Essence Fest has always been that weekend is kind of looked at as the as I wouldn't I wouldn't say the it event to go to, but you see, um, you just see them see all the women just participating in this event and really loving it and really enjoying it. And it's set back. And, you know, we kind of talked about a couple of weeks ago, the importance of getting out the crib, going out and having the moments to build your character, to build, um, just add to you, like your culture to go out and, and, and travel and do these things. And, you know, seeing that and it being the essence fest, uh, weekend really brought all that kind of conversation home to me. And it just, the importance of having those bonding moments, which whether it's your kids, whether it's your family, whether it's with your friends, sometimes fuck even traveling by yourself um, and just having the time to really experience something new, but also have that break break away from everyday life to kind of reset your mind. Traveling is important. 
going out and experiencing new things is important. And so I feel like our culture, the black culture, we're really starting to, I think, see the benefits of that. And not just by benefits, I don't mean just going out and just doing something different. I don't mean just saying, oh, well, we're going to go turn up and have a drink, uh, a weekend and just drink X, Y, Z. I mean, really going out and just separating yourself. And sometimes it's not even about what you do when you get there. Sometimes it's just about getting out and getting into something new. And, you know, I've had the benefit um, to be able to travel around the world, to live in other countries, um, experience other cultures firsthand and really engulf myself in it basically my whole life. And I kind of, I think because that was just a part of my life for so long, I really didn't understand how that benefited and helped build me as a person until I got older and start, like I see people who literally have saved up their whole lives for something that was in my backyard, like the Sistine Chapel, like that, like the Sistine Chapel was literally like an, a 40 minute walk from where I lived growing up. The Coliseum was like just as close. So these are things that I have gotten to see and really engulf in that um, I didn't appreciate now until I'm getting to this place where I'm in my 30s and uh, <laughs> my peers are really, really saving me up to go and see these things. But I saw them every day. So, you know, just the Essence Fest uh, weekend just kind of put me back in that mindset of wanting to talk about the importance of traveling and getting out and just really doing some stuff. Like, let's really do some stuff. Um, so I only have one other thing that's going to be in my in this segment for this week. Um, that's the NBA free agency. I'm not even going to list all the deals that have happened. Um, I don't talk about sports as much as I used to. It seemed like for a while, uh, like when I first started this podcast, uh, the Chicago Bulls were like in the opening segment every week. And I kind of gotten away from talking about sports. Um, but the NBA free agency has just been so wild and all the movement that's been going on. And, you know, as a fan of basketball as a fan of sports in general it's good to kind of see how everything shook out because now whereas we knew it was going to be the golden state warriors in the finals every single year uh we knew that they were going to win the title um, barring injury like kind of what happened this year but now there are legitimately six or so teams that you can see depending on how the chips fall and depending on how uh they congeal and injuries and everything going on that legit have a chance at, at a title and you know KD is going to be out all of next season Kyrie um not Kyrie I'm sorry Clay is probably going to be out uh, a big chunk of the season as well if not the full season so that affects the Brooklyn and, and Golden State but like the Lakers the Sixers the Bucks um uh hell the Clippers which yeah, we'll talk about it at some point. You go and check out Technical File. I can't wait to hear them talk about it. Um, the Clippers and how that all shook out. And, you know, it, it Houston, if they get their fucking shit together. But it, it's it's good as a, as a uh, uh, fan of sports. Yeah, it's great to see when the super teams come together. But I think some of the best times are when you don't have a clear-cut favorite. And... You know, even even, you know, I think the Clippers are now kind of the um, the favorite as far as like in, in Vegas to win the title. But even then, you can you can it's not going to be a, a easy road from like they're not heads and shoulders standing miles above everyone else. Kind of like how Golden State was the last 
five years or so. So it's really going to, for, for my sports fans, um, this NBA season is going to be a special one. Uh, and, you know, it, by by that, 2K is going to be special this year, too, because people are going to be online. It's not going to be that clear-cut favorite team. So it's just it's, – it's really – good to see the league kind of get back to this and it was just it was so crazy you know there's always one or two teams that um, become threats that you may not have been able to guess or see it when the season started and it's probably going to be a couple of those this year too so it's just it's just going to be interesting time I don't want to kind of I know there's so many people who uh, listen to this podcast that don't listen to sports, so I'm not going to stay on it too long, but I am a fan of basketball, and just all this happening is just, I had to talk about it a little bit. So we're going to go ahead, we're going to get into our first break. When we come back, we're jumping right into the conversation with Christian Brianna, um, and this, like I said, this one is a really good one. I'll see you guys right after this. You are now rocking with Socially Unacceptable Socially Unacceptable You are now Rocking with Socially Unacceptable Socially Unacceptable uh, That was hard That was kind of dope That was hard as fuck <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a first-time guest on The Awakened Soul. It's a first-time guest as far as you actually being here and interacting with me, but your voice has been on the podcast a few different times. Uh, so we have uh, one of the co-hosts of Best Friends Talking Shit and solo host of Dim Chakras. We have Christian is in the building. What's going on? Peace and blessings to you, King. How are you? I am golden. I have no complaints at all in life. How are you doing? I'm strong. strong. I'm strong. I'm real. All right. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. How was your holiday? It was good. I don't really celebrate Fourth of July, so. Well, I know none of us. I don't. And that's the thing too. Uh, you know, we it's so many posts and everything about celebrating Fourth of July. I really don't think we celebrate Fourth of July. We just use it as a time to get together and eat. That was just an excuse for me to be off for two days. There so I'm cool with it. Yeah. There you go. Um, but uh, so before we get into it, uh, because this is your first time officially being here. We've got a dope topic. I know I said it at the top of the show, listeners, but we're going to get into it. But I want to talk about your projects because you have a lot going on, both on and off recording. So uh, first, we're going to get into your podcast, Best Friends Talking Shit. Let's start there because that is kind of what I think everyone will know you for first, even though yeah. them chakras, I have a lot to talk to you about there. Um, but tell us about how Best Friends Talking Shit and how that got started and everything. Uh, so my best friend, Kiara. Um, Kiara J. Monet. She we talk all the time on FaceTime for just ratchet conversation. Um, and a lot of the time it's pretty dope conversation. It's a lot of reflection. We're very honest with one another. And one day she was just like, Let's take the FaceTime call to Instagram. And I was like, Okay. And we took it to Instagram and then people were just like, Can I catch it again? Like if I miss this, can I catch it again? And we were just like, I don't know. Um, we got into we basically somebody you know caught on to us and was just like hey 
we love to put you on the network. We were on the network for a little bit doing that, and then that didn't work out, and then we just decided to go solo, and we've just been rocking out ever since. It's available as a podcast and video, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can catch us every Monday and Wednesday at 7.30 live on Periscope and YouTube. And then every, like, Thursday or Friday is normally when the audio goes up. Okay. So, um, like, doing something that's primarily a video format, because, you know, a lot of us are podcasters and we don't, typically utilize video the correct way at least in my opinion i think as podcasters we do focus on audio video is kind of added throwing and i feel like it's not always utilized the best way possible um so as someone who focuses kind of on the video first the podcast secondly what do you what what's what's the difference that you see with the video format versus like what you do, do with with them chakras strictly on audio uh i think it's just the the fact is, like, you have to be more aware of things. So, because you're alive, so it's things that people can see, like, see you actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, if this was just something that we were recording and we were able to kind of edit it out, it would be one thing. But, again, it's live. Um, we also have, like, people who will chime in, like, comment. So, it's interactive. So, we have that portion of it. The recording part of it is really the, the easy part, at least for me, because um, I don't have to do much. Like, open and honest like i don't have to wear a bra i don't have to put earrings in. i don't have to do you know i don't have to do stuff like that um but when you're recording live those are things you, have, you know you have to take into consideration how does my hair look am i you know putting on the makeup am i not putting on makeup um making sure your setup is okay which was something that early on we were just kind of like sitting around you know background had kids running around and everything else um so it, it's that and then just kind of being able to see yourself it just it adds a um, an added feel to things as well because people can kind of relate, especially in those times where we're having more like deeper conversations. You can see the tears. Um, we're cussing each other out, giving each other the finger. Like you can see it. So <laughs> that's that's dope. That's dope. It's some video is something I'm trying to figure out myself on how to use the credit. I you basically just use it for promotion. Um, but yeah, what you guys do is dope. Um, Kiara is I, <laughs> Kiara is like that is like that cousin who like. You, you wait to see at the family get together because you know they're going to shoot it straight every single time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah that, you guys have a dope chemistry. Um, now, I want to flip the script because them chakras, as someone who loves deeper content and loves, you know, thought-provoking stuff like what I try to do here, A, it's good that you get both sides of you with BFTS and, and them chakras. But, like, first of all, explain the name. I know what it means, but explain it for anyone who's not hip. So Dem Chakras is a play on your actual chakras, which are um, there's seven points in your body through your spine. So and it actually runs through your brain. So from your brain down to your brainstem and then from your brainstem down all the way to like your butt bone mm-hmm. um, are your chakras. And when they're misaligned, it causes different things to kind of uh, be misaligned within yourself. So I call myself Dem Chakras because I am I'm not your typical uh, spiritual female like I'm, I'm very in tune with myself but I'm like I sage my house to like trap music I'm that person like, <laughs> like, the line the torch, something. like that's who I am so them chakras is just a play on that like I'm a very aligned female but like if I gotta get out of line like I most definitely will I'm just that that's me like it's just it's it that's me in total like them chakras like that's I who think I you am. just named this episode this title of this episode is officially <laughs> sage and trap music that's that's the name of this episode um but so you uh 
with, with the, them chakras, like I, I from the first episode to this most recent one, you can see kind of how you're developing how you want because you with every podcaster the first couple episodes really you trying to figure it out and you start progressing Mm -hmm. as you go um and you're starting to see the refinement of what you want to do what speak to that like what when that took place in your mind when that flip switched and and that clarity came how did that make you feel um like i was doing something right i i talk a lot like a whole lot and to record myself and for there to be some type of content behind it and it's something that I can get behind, something that I'm comfortable with. Um, and again, it's, it's something totally different from BFTS. So to be that part of myself and then for it to be received in the way that it is and it's finally being received in the manner that I intend for it to, that's, that's how it was. The first episode was just me talking. Like I was just in a really weird place spiritually mm-hmm. um and then over time as it started to come to me like i was having these conversations with myself but when i started to like talk and i was just like oh no like uh four kings in the shadow work is probably one of my most proud moments in my life mm-hmm. because that's something that i'm really passionate about so things that i'm passionate about that i can have relate to other people mm-hmm. and i'm that's like my ultimate goal is to get more black people in tune with themselves to be able to do that and for it to pay off the way that it has so far thus far even in conversations with others it, that's how i know that i'm doing it right do you think because me as a listener i would say that that it seemed like that flip switched to you on the father's day episode do you think oh, that's yeah. fair like that yeah. that conversation is what was like all right this is th- i want to keep this vibe going yeah. All right, that's what's up. That's what's up. Which go check out the Father's Day episode for any <laughs> listeners if you haven't checked it out. But to get off podcasting, um, you're also a motivational speaker. You do things mm-hmm. for women's empowerment. Let's speak to your other project and, and other things that you're doing. Let's speak to that. Uh, so I have uh, when she speaks, which is supposed to happen in September, fingers crossed, um, which will be a DMV event, which is just more so um, a conversation for women. It's just we're, we're talking about everything, just trying to get women to understand that you have a voice and that people will listen. Um, so that's what I'm really focused on. Um, we have the Feeble as Fortune event that Kira and I do together where we go into the inner city of Baltimore. Last time we did it was 100 spaghetti dinners, so we're trying to figure out how we can one-up ourselves with that. Um, you have the live show in, in the end of this month, but we're actually going to do a few the less fortunate while we're down there because okay. we're going down Wednesday. So probably Thursday, we'll probably do like 50 dinners because we don't really know what the homeless community is like down there. Mm-hmm. So we kind of got to fill it out Wednesday. Uh, but Thursday, we will definitely be doing that. And then um, that's basically it. Just a lot of research because I have a child support episode that I want to record. Um, I'm an enforcement agent for child support. So that, that gets a lot of um that's where a lot of the inspiration comes from to be honest okay so it is that that that's basically it i don't i don't know i really don't i I pay attention to my projects but i don't talk about my projects yeah you're a shower not a talker which is fine um you and i'm only going to bring it up because you mentioned it because i wasn't going to go there but because you brought it up you work in child support you're a child support enforcement Mm -hmm. how many times let's just say a month do you have to go home and really not talk to anyone before you decompress? Because I can imagine that's probably one of the most stressful jobs that you can possibly have. Uh, in a month. If I could break it down to do the math, maybe 12 times a month because oh, it's wow. probably, yeah, probably three or four times a week. Um, 
I see some of the hardest cases because I'm an enforcement agent. You you see the intake side of it. Somebody comes in, um, they're trying to get child support. You see the establishment portion of it. Um, either dad shows up or mom shows up or one person doesn't show up. You see the fights. But the enforcement portion of it is where you actually have to talk to these people and figure out either why you're not paying, why you can't pay, or why do you want this other person to pay. And those conversations sometimes are just really hard. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Um but let's let's try to move because we already got some deep stuff to get into. So we're going to try to move off that. Uh, anyone who has child support questions, definitely reach out to Christian. Um, she is a very good resource for that as being on that side of it. So definitely reach out. Um, but let's get into the topics for today. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So the first thing that uh, we're going to talk about is actually a clip of Denzel Washington speaking on the culture. So why did he need a uh, black director? Could a white director not have? It's not color. It's culture. S- explain the difference, because I think we're, we're Steven in a space Spielberg right now. did Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese did Goodfellas, right? Steven Spielberg could direct Goodfellas. Martin Scorsese probably could have done a good job with Schindler's List, but there are cultural differences. You know, I know, you know, we all know what. It is when a hot comb hits your hair on a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. what it smells like. Huh? That's a cultural difference, not just a color difference. Right. So it's the culture. You know about a hot comb? So now no, I, she don't know about no hot comb. You don't know nothing about it. See how everybody laughs? That's a cultural difference. That's not a race difference. That's just that motion. That's all I got to say, right? Um, and when I, when I heard this, this is one of the things that I was literally fist pumping my ass off just hearing this. And it was only like a 30, 40 second clip. But yeah. he he explained it so well and eloquently that I think that anyone who has questions about that um, can really understand a lot from that from that snip. But me being me, I definitely had to talk about it and break it down. Um, so, first of all, his explanation of the culture. Do you agree with it? Anything else you want to expound on or add to it? What do you think about it? I will, the clip will play right before we talk about this. So everyone will have heard the clip, but what were your thoughts on it? I thought that he hit the nail on the head because it's, it's something that people, they, they try to get, but they can't get like, if you're not black, certain things you're just not going to understand. But I feel that way about every culture, but the black culture within itself, there are things that we do that it's just, it's a feel. You can't, you you can't write it out and try to like map out how it's going to play out. You can't talk about it and be like, no, yeah, definitely, you know, feel where you come. No, you don't feel it unless you know it. And in order for you to know it, you got to be black. He yeah. said it to the T. Like there was no better way to explain that. And I think it's important. Like it, it's, it's, you can know what is the culture, but you can't understand what's, like being embraced in it without experiencing the culture itself. Like you have to live in it. You have to embrace it. You have to be amongst it. And it's, and I think it's important to know that people need to know that those things do exist and they are representative of our culture, but you can only go so far by understanding it, by just seeing it. Um, And that, that kind of brings me into the discussion topic that I want to have with you on this is how can allies, toe the line between appreciating but not uh, imitate our culture. What do you feel about that? Mind your manners. I think that that's like the biggest thing. Like there are certain things that as black people, we just don't do because we know that it's not for us. Like it's Mm -hmm. not something that 
one would even look right. It's not something that would feel right like to us. And it's just something that even like, so even in growing up, there's a, a certain level that your parents and whoever raised you won't let you get to like certain things you might want to do with your hair, certain clothes you might wear, um, certain things you might even want to eat. It's just like, no, like that's not what we do. I think that with allies, sometimes it becomes a matter of, um, trying to be empathetic mm -hmm. where it just kind of comes off as you're doing too much. Like the whole, uh, cornrow situation, like when people were getting their hair cornrow, I'm just like, <laughs> and then they were calling them just like back braids, you know, like to the back braids or um, when people started like, tan like tanning to be darker and they were just kind of like, you know, um, they were just little jokes around it. Not necessarily like melanin popping jokes, but that's something that we did. Like our melanin is popping. And for so long, we didn't have a chance to kind of like claim it as something that we were necessarily proud of. Mm -hmm. So when that took on, it's like all of a sudden you see people like tanning darkness. Like, Oh, well, my friends are black. So I just, it's like, no, sis, I don't care what you thought. That's not okay. Um, even the whole idea of like soul food, like it, Kylie Jenner at one point, And the only reason why I really bring them up is because it seems like they're at the back of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, they did like Thanksgiving dinner one year and they were doing like fried chicken and macaroni and cheese, but they were trying to play it off as if it was like something that like our granny would have made. You you can't do it. It's, it's not, it's not in you. Like it, in order for you to be able to understand it, come to dinner with us and enjoy those moments, kick it with us in those moments. Don't go home and then try to recreate that dinner as something like, that's your own. It's us. It's ours. And give us credit when credit is due. Like if you didn't do it, don't try to claim it. Like there's only one black, like seriously black culture. And when we do it, we do it so well. Just mind your damn business. Like what you got is what you got. Like what's for you is what's for you. We don't, there's, and there's not too much that we have anymore. So it's just like, let us keep what we can keep. Our music, our dance moves, our things like, you can definitely do it with this. Um, Spider-Man recently, I saw it on Twitter the other day, yeah. like how they had that, like, you know, he wasn't, he didn't come in like, yeah, you know, I'm killing it. Like, yeah, that's my, it wasn't that. He just literally was dancing and he was having a good time with his black friend. He didn't attempt to do too much with it. It was like, yeah, that's my nigga. It's like, no, like, bro, he, he's right there at the line. I think that those are other means and never in your life. And this is just advice from me to anybody who is not black. Stop saying, "Well, I have black friends." That's the that has to stop being a defense. Like the, the the like that is such an idiotic defense, and I take such a problem with that when someone tries to not even it's, and they use it when it's not even like racism. Like if you call someone mm -hmm. out, it's like you don't really understand. It's like, well, I have five friends that are black. All right, that still doesn't mean that you exactly. understand it. I, I look at it this way: I look at the culture as it being like when you're invited to someone's house, you get to experience and kind of. That how that family lives, but you still have to respect that family's rules. Exactly. That's what it is. Stop appropriating our culture and respect it. If we welcome you in, and that's the thing too. Uh yeah, we we kind of shun out people because we we are easy to weed out the ones who are honest and ones who are doing it because it just looks cool to them. But if you are truly pay respect to the culture, and we talk about this on the breaks radio with hip hop too, like if you pay respect to it then we welcome you in with open arms. Like, that's right. not an issue. Like, it, it it can be all-inclusive, but you have to pay respect and realize where these things are coming from. And I think, like, when you when you get the thing, uh, and I know there was, like, a meme going around of uh, the white woman who was doing, damn, what was the dance? Was it the... Oh, uh, what, the, what the hell was that? Um, 
Oh, God, it's going to kill me. I can't even remember. It wasn't Drake. It wasn't Drake's thing. No, it was. I can't remember. But when she, the way that she was just explaining, like, you just smack the air. And it's like, all right, listen, don't get me wrong. Millie Rockets. Yeah, yeah. Like, there are white people who can dance their ass off. Justin Timberlake held it down for the blue-eyed soul for quite a while. Um, <laughs> but if you're going to do that, pay respect to it um don't try to do it to capitalize off what's popular and that's what that's what starts becoming an issue i think um in the community when people try to infiltrate just because it's the end thing to do and as hip-hop as like really when you look at everything you see the influence of black people even more so than almost any other time in history it put forward in um in like the public eye on tv like it's so much our hands are on everything and that's part of the part of because we help build this damn country but that's a, that's a podcast topic for another day but you you see that imprint in so many different things in tv in music in film and it's starting to get to a place now where now it's like it's it's the cool thing to, to try to be quote-unquote black and the thing is is that just just respect it like please just yeah. respect the culture um because yeah. it's not a trend it's it's even when you think that it's not cool to be black anymore, we still have to be black. Yeah. So you can't, you can't, you can do it for as long as you want to do it. It's that at the end of the day, I can't take this off. I, this is me 24, seven, 365. So you don't, you get the opportunity to, you know, take your hair out, press it out and, you know, go back to being whoever you are. I can take my braids out. My hair's still kinky. I can flat on it. It's still going to be this thick, coarse hair. Like I can't run from this. So if let's say one day, everything that we're doing now because let's be honest black people are popping at one point if this no longer becomes a popularity contest to them anymore we still have to walk around as who we are so you guys get the liberty to go about your day and become whoever you want to be again i'm not a trend this is me in my in me being genuine like this is me genuinely i can't take this off and i do it unapologetically absolutely absolutely and i think too that i have an interesting perspective on it because as as many of our listeners knows that I grew up overseas. So I, I was the guy who got thrown in and had to embrace other cultures while still being me and still learning and, and about like my family and everything. And my dad being white, like it, it, I, I have so much going on, <laughs> but I'm still very much me. And I'm still very much representative of our culture. But the thing is, is that I think um, me having those experiences growing up makes me kind of hold on to our culture a little bit more. And I don't want to be a, gatekeep- a gatekeeper. Like, I, I try to stick away from doing that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, listen, if you only knew, like, for me to be in situations to where I'm judged as a black man, and then when my father walks in the room, I see people's faces change and the way that they treat me change or, like, like, I saw that I had a grow up experience in that. So when people try to tell me that there is no difference or like racism doesn't exist, I, I have mm-hmm. to fight myself from choking the shit out of people because I right. experienced that. Like there has been so many situations in which like I, I'm when I was in ROTC, for example, my master sergeant hated my ass. My dad showed up. He was deployed when I first joined ROTC. My dad showed up to a drill we had and he met my master sergeant and he saw that my dad was white completely treated me differently after the fact i didn't do a single push-up after that point and it was just like all right i see i see what you're doing um so like we we have to do we have to understand that and i think that that's part of the the culture also that 
they will never you can imitate all day because it's the cool thing to do. But until you get pulled over for being black, you will never, no matter how much of an ally you are, will fully understand that. And that's where it's important to be able to realize that you can be sympathetic and you can be empathetic as well to what we what we have going on. But you still have to realize that you will never truly understand what it's like to to live this life every day. So. I know we, went, we 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 dropped some bars there. Let's let's <laughs> let's bring it back in. Let's get to the next kind of bullet point that we had today. Um, so this this next one, uh, still staying on the culture, is: Do you agree that the way black culture is depicted in TV and film has improved in recent years? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It's I use like old black sitcoms as the perfect example. Like Good Times, black people aren't always broke like yeah. that we're not always struggling we don't always say no it's something that we can relate to it's something that you can talk to your great great aunt about all day long um but it it wasn't always hard you know it it wasn't always we didn't always struggle and there was no reason for us to have to be depicted as that um there was a a series that was based out of baltimore um and i'm from baltimore maryland so sometimes i watch that show um and then i look at like what kind of goes on now or what's depicted in like different things especially dealing with our community here and it is it's a big difference we're again we're not this destitute group of people like we we have personality we have talent so to see things like black panther when black panther came out that was like big to me because it was it wasn't just he was a superhero like his sister was like the head of their it department she handled all the technology um to watch the different things that are just happening overall within our culture um just as human beings like will smith being cast as genie like don't we're having more of an opportunity because people more so understand our talent. Mm -hmm. And then they also kind of better understand that there's so much more to us. Like Jaden Smith, granted he was, you know, the little boy in the karate kid or whatever the case may be. But I look at him now and like his amount of talent, who he is as an individual, how he's depicted and how he's received by so many different kids. That's big to me. Um, Just overall, especially like artists, like rappers, um, it's not, it's not the same. I, I wish to be honest, it was kind of like the Run DMC era where it was just storytelling. Um, but even in that, it's not all about like drug dealing and gang banging anymore. There, there's some, there's some, there's a line there where there's still a intellect yeah. because sometimes we're looked at as such like ratchet individuals. We're not all you know city girls like they. Megan Thee Stallion is maybe a perfect example for that. She looks one way, but when you know, like, the background of her, she's also something else. So she's definitely somebody that when you look at it, you're like, oh, damn, well, she twerking on stage, you know, she's talking about hot girl summer. But she has a whole degree. Like, she's out here cleaning beaches and whatnot. So we're depicted. It's just, it's a lot better now. And I'm a lot more comfortable with seeing it. Yeah, and I think, like, it's important to point out, while it may seem like a small blip, but things like having that scene of Annalise and Olivia Pope getting their Mm -hmm. hair done, just talking business and yeah they they had the little cattiness but to see the black women amongst like their hairdressers just talking about life like that is that is our culture like that 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 every black woman has been in a situation like that Mm -hmm. and to and to put it up there to where it's not played for laughs it's not played uh to exploit it's really played to just say hey this this is just this is normal it's we're not making a big deal out of it um it's 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 important and i think like with the rise of prominent black directors like Shonda Rhimes, Ava DuVernay, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan Coogler, like as they keep gaining more and more status, you're seeing more and more respect put into it. Yeah. And 
um, you know, uh, Lethan Waite, uh, Aletha Waite, I, I always pronounce her name wrong unless I'm looking at it. But like when she made her comments that I talked about a couple of weeks ago with the not the lack of funding for independent black film, it's like I understand it, but still, she has that platform because people want to see the black culture through her eyes and yeah we can talk about independent black film all day but at the end of the day we're getting we're almost sidestepping the independent black film thing to a degree because netflix is releasing black after black after black after black and it's so funny because in 2017 i believe on an episode of this podcast i talked about the lack of representation of black people on netflix since then it's like I, I couldn't even if I wanted to try to pick it apart, I couldn't like, first of all, they've almost got a permanent pass released the next year because of when they see us like just just yep. be 100 percent. honest. Yeah. Not even counting uh, Marlon's show, um, yep. his his film that he did. Uh, what was it? Naked when he was in the elevator or whatever, yep. like their representation and what they're showing beats like I can keep naming Dear, all in all. What their white people came out. Yeah. I just finished that. That series alone. It. It pays homage to the idea that one, all black people don't go to HBCU, yep. and two, that we can excel in the Ivy League. That that's my show. Like I next season comes out like August twentieth or something. I'm I'm hooked. I'm hooked for yeah. the next couple of weeks. And so, and another thing that I wanted to talk. I know I didn't like put this on, on top of it because I know you can fly with it, but like I love now too the variant degree and shades that black people are. Like it used to yep. be that. Dorothy Danbridge like you had to be that shade maybe a little bit darker to be a black woman and really excel in this um in this industry and now like when you just look you're seeing like uh oh why am I uh, skipping on her name right now from us uh Lupita Nyong'o Lu- Lupita first of all Bob, what melanin popping for any if anyone was to say Lupita is not one of the most gorgeous people in the world, crazy. you'd be crazy. Crazy. Um, crazy. But, like, just to see, like, her rise as well, like, it's... it's first of all, to have her and Angela <laughs> Bassett in, in Black Panther is, like, that's kind of, like, like it's gen- it's generational. Like, when you look at it, like, I really, I really honestly think Lupita, when it's all said and done 10 years from now, is going to be, like, what we look at as a flag bearer for for yeah. our people like she she's amazing and um it's it's just it's just good to see it's good to see that no matter what it's not about shade it's not about any of that um it's it's really we are popping and you can't deny yeah. this melanin <laughs> so that brings us to our next topic which anyone who knows me knows i i, I have stopped responding on twitter because i was ready to have this conversation here little mermaid that casting came out, what was it, Tuesday or Wednesday, of how uh, Bailey being uh, cast as the Little Mermaid. Instantly. Instantly, the backlash started. Um, and I'm for it. He envisioned the character to be what? Look, that's a stretch, I know. Denmark in the 1800s? That's just a guess there. I'm not sure. <laughs> that's just a guess. Okay. So let's see who they've cast for the live-action version of the... Uh, of the Little Mermaid. Here we go. There it is. That is who they've cast. Singer-actress Halle Bailey, part of the R&B uh, duo Chloe and Halle, has nabbed the star role of Ariel in Disney's live-action remake of The Little Mermaid. Let's blow that up a bit. You can see there. So look. Um, 
there seems to be a big difference there. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure. Oh, that, that's it. Yep, I can tell now. Hallie is wearing some type of earring there, whereas Ariel is not. That's the only difference I can see. But uh, that's, uh, that's perfect casting. <laughs> and look, nothing against Hallie Bailey there. Nothing against her at all. We're talking about the casting here. And do people have a right to be upset that she looks nothing like the character they grew up with? And I think they do. But you know the usual calls that are going out now. Anyone who disagrees with this, you know what they're called. You know what they're called. They call it a racist because they don't, <laughs> or a bigot, just because they want the character to look like what it originally looked. Distribution list for press. And so I had got the email just as it broke in my inbox and I stared at it and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that that is who they casted as Ariel. Okay, first of all, redheads on worldwide only make one or 2% of, of uh, you know, the population. Red hair, blue eyed gingers are the rarest, and Ariel had red hair and blue eyes. And there's a reason for this, which I'll get into in a bit. Yep. But it just seems to me that there is a trend to ruin redheads, and you keep taking them and making them into other- Why did they make Ariel black? I'm not racist, but why the heck will they make her black if she is white in the original film? Blackwashing is as bad as whitewashing. Wait a minute, what? The Little Mermaid is black now? Wow. So the, the whole not my little mermaid. I want to see the real depiction of Little Mermaid. Listen. I want to argue all day. So this 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 topic, this segment is quote unquote titled White People Be Tripping. Because that's all I can really kind of categorize this one as. Well, first of all, I wanna I wanna ask you, let's talk about the positive first. Her being cast as the little mermaid, what do you think about it? It's a beautiful thing. I the last time I saw a black princess was Brandy, and that was like 97. So you look at, okay, so Princess Tiana, if you're thinking about animated characters, mm -hmm. but we're talking about live action because she was casted as the live action Ariel. The last time we saw a princess was Brandy when she played that in Cinderella, and that was 97. So we're talking, what, it's, it's, been a, a hot minute we don't we don't have that like as a little girl you grow up and we didn't even pay attention to race to be honest until you get to a certain point where you realize that everybody is all the same shade and you're like hold up they this doesn't look right they they don't not that it doesn't look right but they don't look like me so granted i could put this dress on all day long and i could put on the shoes and i could put on the you know the makeup or whatever the case may be but she still doesn't look like me this young woman is coming into this role looking like a black woman that gives me so much more not just comfort but so much more confidence in the fact as though it, it's possible now granted she's a mermaid so she's a mythical creature people but it, it gives me hope like listen if ariel can have because she had if i don't know if everybody's seen the picture she has red dreadlocks like, yes i was just about to it talk don't about that. it doesn't get any better than that like listen she's getting ready to kill this role she's talented she's overly qualified for it she's getting ready to get it she's getting ready to sing her heart out and she's getting ready to do what she does best and that is be this young woman she's so she's on grownish even then she she kills it and what she does um, she guest starred on Dear White People. She killed it on that. She sings like no other. 
you listen, this this is probably one of the best things Disney has ever done. I don't care why they did it. I don't care who was in the meeting. I just know whoever bought it up. That that man needs race. That man or woman needs race. Yeah, and I think that it's important. It says a lot about Disney, who also did Black Panther, but that they <laughs> casted someone who was best for the role and then probably looked at the color later. I love yeah. the fact that she she dyed her dreads red because Beautiful. just embrace that. Um, but Little Mermaid, what her voice is supposed to completely enchant a man, and she yeah. has that voice. Her um, voice and her energy, beautiful. like like I I've never been in the same room as her, clearly, but. Even like the, res- she has like this air of just epicness. Is that even a word? Yeah, like no, it's it's right, it's ethereal. Like it's honestly like there's there's something about her and her being cast as this role is perfect. And um, I think that the backlash from it, Disney doesn't care about your backlash. Yeah. Um, and and I I just I and when people don't understand, I when they talk about not my Little Mermaid, I think they don't understand the importance of representation in movies like this because they're yeah. white. They have representation in almost every film everything. or everything that they see. But for little black girls like my daughters to be able to say, to, to dress up as a Disney princess and it be someone who was a black Disney princess is important. And I don't think that, that they really understand that because again, that's part of that baked in white privilege that people don't realize that is a privilege because you can look and see somebody that you identify as easily. Just turn on the TV. We're starting to get that. Yes, but it's important. And you know, I mean, fuck how you feel. I think that one thing that really, at least when I think about it, because she's actually somebody that I've been following since her and her sister had a YouTube channel. I love them. And when I think of Ariel as a, as a person, like you have to think of the characteristics of Ariel. She's this bright, bubbly individual. Mm-hmm. She's charismatic. She is so optimistic. She's a, a dreamer. She wants so much more out of life other than to be, you know, held up in her, you know, who's a what's it's and her thingamajiggies. When you think about that, I can't, to be honest, I can't think of anybody else who would have played this part better than her because she has that smile. Her eyes are so bright. Mm-hmm. She has this really, Every time she's being interviewed, she just has this air about her. And when I think of her being in this like aquatic state and her singing and thinking about what all the lyrics are, I, I'm for, I can't, now that Disney has put two and two together, it makes four to me like that. I'm excited. I can't wait. I'm getting ready to get me an Ariel with black t-shirt just to piss some people <laughs> off. And let's not forget, I mean, her crab is a Caribbean person. So it's definitely. Exactly. Like, so, and I, somebody actually made a good point. I think it was actually on Twitter. And of course you have to do the research behind it to make sure that what they're saying is valid. I believe that the actual ocean that they're saying that it was like, you know, filmed it was mm-hmm. definitely like off of the shores of the island. So if anything, Ariel probably should have been black. Yeah, I mean, let's let's and then let's look at the the the. I forgot the year that Little Mermaid came out, but that everybody was white. Like, let's just be yeah. honest. So, like, even if that was supposed to, if that ocean was supposed to be based off the Caribbean or off the islands, like they wouldn't have drawn drawn them black anyway back then. They they just yeah. wouldn't have. It wouldn't it wouldn't have it wouldn't have hit. Like people would have almost completely back backlashed about it. Now, my thing is too is that where I have a problem is that everybody was fine when the conversation was about Ursula being cast as a black woman. Really? Ursula and, is this grumpy woman. Exactly. And because Ursula is depicted as this woman with what could kind of be looked at as makeup and she had this soulful type of singing rhythm, Ursula was based off a drag queen. So we're okay with that 
being depicted by a black woman, but you're not okay with a mermaid being depicted by a black woman. The the dark quote unquote octopus woman who's evil can be black all day, but our you know our heroine can't be like. Come on now, let's get it, let's get it together, people. I think that it. I call BS on that a lot because I feel like when people think of a a when people think about a black woman, like let's take what Ursula actually looks like out of the picture and just think of all that she entails. She's this sassy selfish overbearing ostentatious woman why does that have to equate to somebody who's black mm. what just... why does that have to be the equal because in my mind that could be any damn bad because people equate, equate that with black women which we'll get into the topic that we're going to talk about later so <laughs> let's let, let's not get into that a little bit too much now but yeah I, I just i hope people really just realize and check their feelings at the door and yeah all the hate now, they haven't even shot a scene. Once this trailer comes out, imagine what the hate's going to be like then. I can't. They're going to be trying to pick everything apart about this trailer. And you guys, listen, I, if if not one single white person goes and see this movie, it's still going to do numbers. Yeah, so, you know, deal with it. Uh, but we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're actually going to get into a little bit deeper of a topic. And, uh, yeah, Christian's going to kill this one. So we'll be right back <laughs> after this. <laughs> Hey guys, it's your girl Beck Easy. Hi everybody, it's your girl Joanne. Hey guys, it's Trell and this is The, the team. team. And we want to welcome you into our group chat where we talk any and everything from ABCs of sex to finding your passion. Catch us every other Tuesday on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and YouTube. Because we lit. Take that, take that. <laughs> All right, so... Are you ready for this one? When you when you read this topic, I'm not before I even say when I sent it to you and you read this one, did the light bulb go off? Like did, did oh, you? Oh yeah, it always goes. Did off. you frown a little bit? Because I, uh, you. If I, listen, listen. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so the the main point, the kind of overarching one uh, of this topic is: Are black women embraced enough for just being them? No. 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 No, and it's something that I. As a black woman, it's something that irritates my spirit because I'm so much more than what people fake me out to be. I'm a black woman. On top of everything, because I am the spiritual being, my hair grows up towards the sun. The sun powers my skin. I'm dope as hell. Super intelligent. Bold, brash. I don't care, but I'm also this empathetic, sympathetic, nurturing, loving, caring individual. And there are a lot of black women who are just like me. So no, yes, I have an attitude every now and then, but it's after you provoke me. I don't walk around with an attitude all day long. My face is scrounged up because this is my face. Like, I, why do I have to smile all day long? But in the moments when I am smiling, you think I'm high off something or it, it's, some, it's a man doing it or that, like, I just don't have a reason to be happy. Like, fuck, I woke up this morning. Like, I, I don't have any other reason other than be happy. We don't get the recognition that we deserve as just being black women as who we are because no, no, who really knows who we are other than us? And then when they show us or we're depicted as these people, we are either one of the two. We're either, like, you know, really peaceful and, you know, really like Mother Earth or it's like, nah, like, we this, you know, angry auntie or we this angry mom. Yeah. And I... I don't like that. I, I I called it this is that black women are either usually categorized as being Medea or Erica Badu. Like there's no no the, the, like you either attitude or your natural hair and shea butter. Like there's yeah. like like we 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 take out the gray area and we're well, not even the gray area. We take out all the all of the in between and we try to boil down black women to just these attitude beings that care about 
their natural hair and their edges. And that and I think that and us is not and we can't even just blame that on white people. Us as black men do that too. So like when you hear the criticism of of an attitude of black women having this attitude and you hear like black black men, some black men say, you know, I, I couldn't date a black woman because of the attitude or I tried because of the attitude. Now I'm dating white women. Like what how does that make you feel as a black woman? Makes me feel like people don't try hard enough to get to know us as black women and that we're cast solely by like either their first dating of us. Like it's in the introductory, you already have a pre-connotated notion of who you think I am. So you're not even getting, taking the time to get to know me. And then when you do get to know me, it's like, it's some kind of shock. And I, that in itself bothers me. Why are you surprised that I am this person? I think that first of all, I am set aside from black women because I am something totally different because I am them shockers like that. <laughs> it don't get no bad. I am Medea and Erica Badu encompassed into one. Like that's who I am. But I feel like that's a lot of black women in general. It's kind of like we have to choose sometimes. In the whole instance of black men not dating black women because we have an attitude, you got to think about why we have attitudes. Like so we got to carry a lot. We carry a lot on our shoulders. We carry a lot on our backs. We carry a lot on our hearts and in our heads. Within our womb, there's so much that goes on with us. There are going to be times where we have these attitudes, but we have to we have to fight for so much recognition. We have to fight to 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 be loved. We have to fight to to deserve, and it should just be things that are gifted to us based off of who we are, like talent, beings, and I, I just I call BS on it a lot because when at any point are you guys or not you guys, but in general, when are people going to start seeing us for who we are as individuals instead of looking at us for who we are depicted as? We don't get the opportunity to have that because people already, again, have this preconnotated notion of who we are. And I personally don't know how to shape that because I'm going to be who I am just off rip. And I think every black woman is that. It's just that at a point, sometimes you just get tired of like fighting with it and just being like, all right, well, however you feel is how you feel, but that's not going to change me. I'm just going to rock with me. So when you see things like um, black women judge for their attitude, but when it's a Latina woman, she's looked at as being passionate and black men love that. And your face says it says it all. Like what 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 does that? Because I think this conversation that I wanted to have is as much as a learning opportunity, because that's that's nothing that I can ever speak to as a black man. So when you see you guys knock down for the attitude, but even another melanated race with Latina women being kind of appreciated for their fiery attitude what do you think about that it bothers me because we the reason why we have it people don't even look at the reason why we have an attitude i can say that there are probably three reasons why a top three reasons why a black woman has an attitude she either had to fix something that to be honest could have been done had somebody had just taken the time and attention towards it she's really passionate about it it's something that she truly loves whether it be her child whether it be her man her family her job whatever the case may be or three that's who she is she is this being of just there's something in her that she has not yet healed from so she's angry at the moment it bothers me because we are passionate people we're empathetic individuals because that's who we are we are who bore this nation to be what it is. We have we have taken on the responsibility of getting people to where they are. I don't have an attitude. I am passionate about it. So the twang in my voice, the the bass that comes from this is because if I talk like this and I'm but you don't get it. 
You don't understand. I've got to roll my eyes. I have to kind of put the sass behind it because at no point do you say, we're the most, and you said it yourself, we are the most underappreciated species on this earth. So without this, without this type of passion that I have here, you're not going to get it. It's not going to resolve in you. It's not going to sink deep down into you. If I'm talking to you like this, it's going in one ear and out the other. When I put some bass in my voice and show you that I'm not to play with, all of a sudden you're like, oh, damn, now the black chick is talking. Now I need to listen. It shouldn't take all that, but it takes all that. I don't know why Latino women get the pass that they do. And to be honest, I'm not concerned with that because I'm not Latino. That don't have nothing to do with me. What I know is that here in this time and who I am, when I'm talking, you're going to listen because I have that much love behind it. I'm not talking to you for anything. Black women, we don't talk just to talk. We're talking because there's some type of purpose behind it. We're saying something for a reason. So either I talk like this and you don't get it, or I put the bass behind it in order for you to get it into your ear so that it sinks within your spirit, so that it resonates through you, so that you realize that I'm not just talking. I mean what I say. Damn. Okay. Well, shit. Um, I think you just laid it all out there. Um, that's what it is. So, like, okay, so here, here's, here's kind of what I want to piggyback off that. So when you... What can, without like us judging or whatever, what can we do as black men, as white men who want to do it, as just people in general to break this stigma that is the black woman? What can we do? When I'm talking, I need you to hear me, which means that in the middle of me talking, if you don't understand something, like put a pen in it, but then ask me about it afterwards and don't just assume it's because I had an attitude. Or if I say something to you, let me know, hey, so I hear what you say. I'm just trying to make sure that I understand it. Comprehend what I'm saying. The comprehension behind it is lost. People have started to respect it more, that's fine. But people are not comprehending what I'm saying and I'm saying it for a reason. So just get me. And if you don't get me, ask so that I can further define myself. And after I've said it, let's say somebody comes to you like, damn, she got an attitude. It's like, no, she doesn't have an attitude. This is what she's saying. This is why she feels the way that it does. Because you guys have a certain type of presence and a certain um, a certain level of respect that comes with you all just from being men. Mm-hmm. So in supporting us, comprehending what we're saying, and then being that backbone for when we're not allowed to have one, will assist in other people respecting us when when it comes out the way that it does. That's awesome. Um, so as as a black woman who's like in this creative space now, as you as your your platform continues to grow and everything, who are some of the peers that you look at? Um, that you see that are being respected in this industry. And I think that uh, Empress Nick recently talked about it on an episode of Keeping It 100, how, like, her trying to get the pod connection together, um, she kind of sees men not take it as seriously because it's just a woman doing it and not a man being there yeah. with her. Do you run into any of those obstacles? And, and then, like I said, who are some of the peers or people that you look at that you're like, all right, this is who I'm going to take some inspiration from? Um, I don't feel like so I definitely run into it because I'm I'm new at this I'm also young so when people look at people look at it as I'm this young black girl with just a lot to say um but I also have a certain amount of power behind my voice and I mean what I say and I'm unapologetic about it so I don't really run into too much because again I mean what I say so I'm not backing down from that um you're uh the host of Love Lesson Badass so AJ I take a lot from her because she has such a a presence about her Mm -hmm. 
when she speaks, first of all, she has one of the most sultry voices I've ever heard in my life. I compare her voice to like a cup of cognac, like a really good glass. Of oh, so she needs to get into like audio books or it's something. Like she awesome. needs to get into something. Yeah. She is so smooth. I definitely take from her in a matter of her overall presence. Mm. Um, I think that that's important. Um, female, other females, I take from the team a lot. Just their overall. Ooh. Yeah, that's that. Those are my people. The, the the team, and I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're uh, fine. But the, the I I just I can't say enough about how happy I am that the team are a part of the Breaks Media, but also that we have that representation because I honestly feel like the team is the perfect podcast. Mm-hmm. Like not even just for women. I mean, generally, they are the yeah. perfect podcast, and um, I just I really look and respect them a lot. But go ahead, I'm sorry. No, um, I take from them just because of their professionalism and the way that they carry things. They definitely talk about all different types of things. It's just the way that it comes across. It's not um, it's not like ratchet at all. Like it's a, it's a certain level before it gets to it before it goes too far, mm-hmm. which I really respect about them. And they just have a certain lady like appeal about them that I really appreciate. Um, I take from my best friend a lot, Kiera, because she just no holds bar and she says whatever's on her mind, and she doesn't care if it's censored. Um, and I really appreciate that from a female, that's from a female aspect. Um, I take from you a lot, just from the conversations that we have has been a huge help. Um, and then just a better understanding podcasting in general, cause this is very new to me. Um, BJ, I take from BJ a lot because he is, you challenge the conversation a lot, but BJ challenges yeah. the conversation. Like this man can take something that you said and flip it back to you and be like, so what I'm hearing is you're saying this. So it's got to stem from this. And it's like, bro, I didn't ask you to like run my life past me right now, but you get it. So I'm going to feed past it. And that is my kindred spirit. Like that was my brother in a past life. I don't know where we fought together, but I know that like that, that's somebody who I truly respect and I hold to a high regard. Um, there's actually a podcast out of Baltimore called um, Throw the Whole Podcast Away. I take from them and just being from Baltimore, like sometimes the terminology that I use, mm-hmm. I know that some people might not get, but it that's who I am. Like I'm, I'm Baltimore. So it, I'm okay with that. Um, so I take from them and then just the more that I start to listen to podcasts, um, the more I start to take from it. Every podcast that I listen to, I learn from. But those are just kind of like the top ones that when I take it, I'm actually writing notes and I'm I'm feeding from it so that I can better feed into myself in order to, to be better at this. Okay. That's what's up. Um, so another thing that I want to talk about kind of on this topic of black women being embraced. Um, with you doing all the things, the motivational things and everything that you're doing, Give me, if you have one, an example of when you face backlash from a man who kind of more so you could tell that it was just the fact that a woman was saying something to him or giving that advice more so than it was the advice itself. Um, I have a follower on Instagram. I post motivational minutes every morning. And recently I was talking about the fact that you can support a person through the rising action of their life, through the climax. And then do the falling action until they get to the resolution. But there are times where a person is at the rising action, will get to the climax and then get back down to the rising action and stay in that same setting because they don't want to put the work in. This man was so adamant on being like, well, you don't even have like a thousand followers, sis. So like, what are you talking about? Or, you know, like, how can you tell me how much work I'm putting in? If you don't see me, you know, fully to the end, you don't know my struggle, you know? And it's like, first of all, sir, um, you got to understand that I'm not 
one, I'm not here to judge anybody, but two, I can tell when a person is working to their full potential. And I know that it was different coming from me because this man will post all day long about a man saying the same thing. Like Mm -hmm. you got to put the work in, you got to push, you got to do this, you got to do that. So it was because it was coming from me and because he doesn't see me in a certain position that I guess can be respected. He took it a certain type of way. Never, I'm never disrespectful about it, but I'm definitely going to tell you about yourself. I am who I am for a reason. And I'm in the position that I'm in for a reason. And I'll, I don't care about a follower count. I don't care about those matters. I know that when a person puts the work in, it shows. And I, again, I can only say what I'm going to say. And the reason why I say it the way that I do is because I'm held to a certain regard in this. I know what it's like to not work hard for something. So I had to kind of give him my life lesson within like five minutes of conversation for him to understand like any other man can tell you that you're not putting the work in and that you respect it for me as a black woman to tell you that you're not putting enough work in really should, should be something that you pay a bit more attention to because that black man might only be holding you to a certain standard with me as a woman to see that you're not putting that amount of amount of work in might mean that you might never be ready to, to be in the position that you're searching for. Cause I, I see a lot with him. So I, I just, I had to kind of bring him back down for a second cause he put himself on a pedestal that he did not deserve. Okay. That's what's up, and I and I and I I love the fact that you were able to put him in that place with still being respectful, oh, yeah. because I think that messes people up head, heads even more when because they expect for you to kind of clap back, but when you give it to them in a still respectful manner, it's like all right, well, I ain't got nothing to say. Let me just shut up. And uh, that's what it is. <laughs> and so that brings me to the very last thing that I want to talk to you about is how do you think a a black woman can be everything that she is, so whether that be intellectual, uh, sexual, um, motivational, prideful, uh, have self-doubt, have insecurities, but still remain ladylike. What do you think goes into that? Understanding each part of you and knowing that that all-encompass makes you you. So I think that sometimes we find that there's a standard of a black woman. Mm-hmm. And that we try to meet that standard, not understanding that that's just a stepping stone. Like a black woman, the only thing she has to be is black and a woman. Everything else just kind of comes as it is. So I think that you have to understand that there are different series of us and that there are different genres of a woman. But in that, All Encompass makes us this encyclopedia and that there's so much within us that you can learn and and take from and, and gain that it's okay to be all of that. So I think just being that unapologetic is what makes what makes it the most beneficial to be a black woman like benefit from knowing that you are who you are and that this is all you can be and being black is just an added portion of that like being black is amazing but to be black and sexual to be black and intellectual to be black and like that is that's the gold to the goal so to just be that and just understand that you are who you are for a reason and just love you live you and like you just overall and so you would you would say that it's important for anybody um but i know we're we're kind of i want to and the thing is too is i want to keep this focus because it's easy to turn the conversation just say anybody should but this is to uplift black women so we're gonna we're gonna stay focused on our sisters here so it's important for black women to embrace every side of them i need you i need i need those words to come out of your mouth because i think people need to hear that be who you be and that is something that I tell people and it's grammatically incorrect, but it's be who you be. I can tell you all day long who I am, 
And who I am means that this is who I am at this point, which means this could change at any time. Who I be means that this is permanent. I be this, nothing is going to change. When I wake up in the morning, this is who I am. At no point in your life should you ever change who you are other than the fact that though you decide to change who you are. But when you wake up every morning and you know that you are to a certain standard that you are comfortable with, never change that for anybody. Live you unapologetically because in you is something special and nobody can be you better than you. So when you wake up in the morning and your hair is kinky, when you wake up in the morning and your breasts are, you know, fuller than any other woman, when your hips are wider, when you're feeling like your waist beads, I wake up every morning, my waist beads are tangled. My hair is a little bit nappy, got a little bit of droop, but this is who I am. I am this black woman and this is who I be. And I'm not changing that for any, not a man, not my child, because I'm no good to these people until I'm good to myself. And in order for me to understand me being good to myself, I have to understand my strength and my strength starts at my foundation. And in being a black woman, the first foundation that we have is that we come from other black women. So be who you be, know your lineage, know that that's who you are, be who you be and get in touch with you and know that overall it is okay to be you. It's okay to have your attitude. It's okay to have that twang. It's okay to have that walk, that talk. It's okay to have your hair kinky. It's not unprofessional, sis, be who you be and be you unapologetically. Point blank period. That's it. We the, the mic's on fire. We're done for the day. <laughs> That's it. Christian, I want to thank you. I honestly, no hyperbole, no cap. This is probably one of the best conversations to ever happen on the Awakened Soul. And I want to thank you for being able to have this with me. I want to thank you for showing up. I want to just thank you for just being here, being able to talk about these things and not being afraid, uh, holding back at all. So thank you. For not that. never, not never. I appreciate you, King, for who you are and everything that you do for the culture because um, you make shit shake. <laughs> I try. I do. I do what I can do when I can do it. You know, you know how <laughs> that goes. But tell uh, the people where they can find you so they can get their motivational minutes, where they can get their chakras aligned and they can also get some shit talk. So go ahead and tell the people where they can find you. <laughs> Um, every Monday and Wednesday at 7.30, you can catch me with Kiara J. Monet um, on Periscope, which is BF Talking Shit 1, and then on YouTube at Best Friends Talking Shit. Um, every Monday is something more so, like, emotional, but every Wednesday is something sex positive. You're either going to learn something or we're going to make you real uncomfortable. Um, and then you can catch me every morning um, on Twitter or Instagram for your motivational minute at Dim Chakras. Um, D-E-M-C-H-A-K-R-A-S um, and they're both podcasts as well so Best Friends Talking Shit and then Dem Chakras um, and if you need your chakras aligned you just gotta DM me cause I gotta figure out what's going on with you first to figure out what's hyperactive or hypoactive but we could get you together <laughs> alright that's it that's been another episode of The Awakened Soul in the bag uh, this week you guys can also check me out uh, on Change the Subject podcast coming up Tuesday, depending on when you listen to this, you can also check me out on my Life Be Like podcast with my good friend Colin Song there. Um, and then also, I'm on CEO Talks. Um, so go ahead and check that out. So that's a lot of haze on top of what I already do each and every week this week. But um, each podcast is covering different topics. So definitely go and check that, that out. Check out my appearances there. Um, but that's it. You guys, again, can follow me at CEO Haze. That's C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. You can follow the podcast at Awaken Soul Pod. And make sure you go to thebreaksmedianetwork.com where you can find this podcast as well as others. And our merch store is finally up. We'll be adding more and more merch as we go along. But that's it. This has been another episode of The Awakened Soul. Peace.
The new moon rolled high in the crown of the metropolis. Shining like who on top of this? People were sussling, arguing and bustling. Gangsters of God thumb, hardcore hustling. I'm wrestling with words and ideas. My ears is prick. Seeking what will transmit. The scribes can apply the transcript. Yo, this ain't no time where the usual is suitable. Tonight alive, let's describe the inscrutable. The indisputable. We New York, the narcotics. Straight in metal and fiber optics. We're mercenaries is paid to trade hot stock tips for profit. Thirsty criminals in pockets. Hot levels on the second hands of working class watches. Skyscrapers is colossus. The cost of living is preposterous. Stay alive, you play or die, no option.